Thanks for watching today at wildwoodchurch.com. Now here's today's message. All right, good morning, Wildwood. Turn your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. If you weren't awake, you will be now, right? After that introduction, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Over the last two weeks, I explained to you what I believe is the mission of Wildwood Church. And I made the assertion that the mission of Wildwood Church is the mission of every church. So we don't have to wonder, well, have we, have we really found our mission? The mission of Wildwood Church is the mission of every church for all time. And it comes from the Great Commission. And since the church is made up of, of individuals, the mission of Wildwood Church is really the mission of you and me. It, it's not that the mission of the organization that calls Wildwood its name, you know, 501c3 nonprofit that exists at this location has a mission. No, but the people of Wildwood have a mission because Jesus did not say to, to Wildwood Church, but to his disciples, go into all the nations and make, we're going to look at it in a second. I've asked you to open there, <laughs> so I don't have to quote it. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus did not, did, he wasn't putting out a charter for nonprofits. He's giving an order, he's giving a mission to his people. So let's look here at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you help us to rejoice that you have given us a task, a task that is going to have eternal ramification. Lord, that you've not left us here to just uh, twiddle our thumbs and waste away our life. But you have called us to something that has eternal significance. And I pray, Lord, that, that every person in this room that says Jesus is Lord would believe that Jesus is Lord, would submit to Jesus as Lord, and would follow Jesus as Lord, and would do what Jesus as Lord has commanded them to do. I pray, Lord, that you would find us a bunch of faithful people. Help us to honor you with all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, someone might ask the question, well, Pastor, wasn't that great commission just given to the apostles? You're saying that this is the, the mission of the church of all time. You're saying that, that Jesus was speaking to us, but pastor, wasn't he just speaking to the apostles? Well, what do we see in the Great Commission? We see Jesus commanding his disciples to make disciples of all nations until the end of the age, teaching them to obey everything that he's commanded. All nations to the end of the age, obeying everything 
that I've commanded you. That, that, that's what he gave to his original apostles. Now, most of them have been dead for 1,900 years. So let's see how far they got it. I, I did a, a Google map search here. Let's see how far the original apostles took the gospel in their life. This is a modern day Google map of the region that the apostle Paul was able to get to in his lifetime. And it's impressive, especially 2,000 years ago, he traveled something like 10,000 miles. But that's generally the area. It started in Jerusalem. It worked its way up into modern day Turkey, over to Greece, over to Rome, and that's about it. That's about as far as the gospel went with the first apostles. Now, that's a big area, is it not? But let's zoom out just a little bit and let's just look here. Now, assuming that the Ethiopian eunuch that we read of in Acts chapter 8, who was on his way, we, we presume he was on his way back to Ethiopia when he was saved and was baptized, assuming that he made it back to Ethiopia, then the gospel also went to Ethiopia in the first century. So we, you can see Ethiopia is down there, the Horn of Africa, down in the southeast. Pretty, pretty large region that the gospel went to in the first century. The first apostles, we could say, got the gospel out to roughly this region. But the earth is a big place, is it not? And let's just look here for reference. Let's zoom out one more time. And that's just, the other, that's just the side of the world that's dark when it's light here. That's about our reference point to this, this part of the globe. It's dark when it's light here. And it's light when it's dark here. But go, keep going, Beth. It's a big old world, isn't it? Keep going. And one more time. <laughs> now tell me that the apostles took the gospel to the ends of the earth in the first century, and that this great commission was only for them. Folks, we know that's not true. We know that Jesus's intent was that the gospel would go to the ends of the earth. This is what he said in Acts chapter eight, excuse me, Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus' intent for his people is that we would bear witness to Jesus Christ. In other words, that we would proclaim the gospel to the end of the earth. In other words, that we would go all the way around the globe from east to west and from north to south with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we would bear witness to what he has done. Jesus' intent. And you know, as a military commander, we're trained to provide mission and intent. Because when the plan goes kaput, if the soldiers have mission and intent, if they have what they're supposed to do and, and, and basically what the end state is going to be, then even without the commander's presence and even without the plan, they can achieve the mission. And Jesus gave his mission in the Great Commission and now we have his intent 
take this gospel to the end of the earth. If there's still places to go that have not heard the gospel, then church, you have work to do. Go there and bear witness. Now, if the apostles had actually done this, you know, hypothetically, I mean, I think we've already clearly established that the apostles did not fully meet the intent of Jesus. It, it wasn't ever going to be that way. The apostles got the gospel out and they handed it over to elders who made disciples and on and on and on it went. And people called themselves Wildwood Church nearly 2,000 years later. But saying hypothetically, supposing that the apostles did achieve all that Jesus wanted them or all that Jesus wanted the church to achieve, then the end would have already come. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So the fact that we are still here, the fact that we are still waiting for Jesus to come and for him to bring judgment upon the earth tells us that the end has not yet come. It tells us that we have not yet achieved what Jesus has called his church to do. So who does carry the gospel if it's not the, if it's not the first apostles that are now charged with bearing witness to the ends of the earth and, 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 and making disciples of all nations, who is it? Who is responsible for that? You know, as we look at those images of the earth, there's something like 225 countries on the planet. But there are thousands of ethnos. And when Jesus tells us to go into all the nations, he's not telling us to go into every country with the gospel. He's telling us to go into every ethnos, every people group, every tribe and tongue. There are something like, well, it's widely, there's a, there's a big spectrum, whether there's 7,000 people groups remaining who have not yet heard the gospel or 144 is unclear. But what is clear is that there are still some ethne, ethnos, nations that have not heard the gospel. And so the question is, who, who goes to them? If it's, not the, if it's not the original apostles, who is, whose job is it to get the gospel to all the ethnos? That's the question. When Peter and John, let's go, let's think about the first church. We want to look at scripture. We want to understand how the first church understood their mission. Was it just the apostles? We go to the first church. When Peter and John were released after being threatened by the, by the religious council, they were threatened and they were charged to stop speaking in Jesus' name. Stop telling people about this Jesus and they go back to their friends. Luke records in Acts chapter four that they went back to their friends. Now, who do you think their friends were? Just their coworkers? No, their friends were their church. These are ostracized people. 
They go back to their friends, they go back to their church, and they tell them what the chief priests and the elders said to them. And their friends, who made up the first church, said this. They prayed, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So what does God's word say about the first church? Who was filled with the Holy Spirit? All. Beth, we're going to have to bring it back up because they don't believe me. We just read it. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did the filling of the Holy Spirit? Now, these are already people that have been born again by the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. This means they were emboldened. They were, in, they were invigorated. They were, they were enlivened by the Holy Spirit. They were fired up. That's probably the right term. They were fired up by the Holy Spirit. And what, did it, what effect did the Holy Spirit firing up the church half. They continued to speak the word of God. That adjective all not only modifies or filled with the Holy Spirit, but it also says it also applies to continue to speak the word of God with, with boldness. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And the implication is they kept speaking the very same word that Peter and John were harassed about. And what was that word? The gospel. The, the religious leaders didn't, didn't mind that they would speak the law, speak the Mosaic law, speak the Psalms, or the Proverbs, or the prophets. No, the problem they had was that they spoke about this Jesus who claimed to be God and was dead and buried and rose again from the dead. And so the first church, the friends of John and Peter, the first church, when their apostles came back to them and said, we were just threatened by the religious leaders and we're being told not to speak the gospel any longer, the church prayed together and they were all fired up by the Holy Spirit and they all went out and preached the gospel. If the first church recognized that it was their task and not just the apostles, how much more do we need to recognize it's our task and not just the apostles who died 1900 years ago? I think you get my point. I hope you get my point. I'm really belaboring this point because I want it to be super clear. Years later, Peter would write to the church, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Christian, your task is to always be prepared to give a reason for your hope. 
And, and what is your hope? Your hope is not that you got a job promotion. Your hope is not that you finally got pregnant. Your hope is not that your kids finally moved out of the house. That is not your hope. Your hope is Christ in you. And, and Peter says, the apostle Peter tells the church, always be ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. That is what we mean when we say every member a missionary. What we mean is that every member of Wildwood Church goes across the street and around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, being ready to make a defense of the hope that is within us with gentleness and respect. Now, having been convicted that we need to do more than just preach that people should go to the nations. We have set a goal of raising up 50 of our own people, Cecil. 50 of our own people over the next 25 years and sending them to the nations. Blank check, all in, here I am, send me times 50 and supporting financially an additional 150 missionaries around the world. That is what we believe the Lord would have for Wildwood Church. Some churches believe that the Lord would have them build a hospital or create a seminary or adopt a, one specific village and transform it somewhere in the world. What we believe the Lord wants for our church is to raise up 50 of our boys and girls, men and women, and send them to the ethnos with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meaningfully support an additional 150 missionaries around the world. This is where we believe the Lord wants us to go. Now, the question is, how will we get there? That's our vision. That, that's that's a, a, a direction. That's the, we feel like the Lord's saying, walk this way. Just like Abraham saying, head out this direction. I'll, I'll tell you when you get there. Here's the direction we want you to go. How do we think we are going to get there? How are we going to achieve the mission and the vision that the Lord has for us? Well, the Bible identifies the how. We don't have to get clever and creative and, and invent new means or new ways, a new strategy. The Bible tells us how we are going to do this. And all we need to do is look to Jesus. What did Jesus do? He equipped his disciples and he sent them out to make more disciples whom they equipped and sent out. And on and on and on and on it went until people came in and sat down on Sunday, September 17th, 2023 at Wildwood Church. This has been the strategy of the faithful church for 2,000 years. Equip disciples and send them out to make more disciples. That's the strategy. We will, by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, 
achieve our part of the Great Commission by doing those two things, equipping the saints and sending them out on mission. Make disciples who make disciples. I want you to notice the cyclical nature of this. Beth, let's show them the vision slide. It is cyclical. Like a wedding ring, there is no beginning or end. It's cyclical. It continues in a process. But there are some elements that I want to draw your attention to. Equip is what we do within. Equip is what we do here inside our building and in our connect groups and in our triads and at our retreats and at our conferences. Equip is what we do for the saints. If you're a Christian, your task is to be equipped by the church. We equip the saints. All of the efforts that we make within the church fall under the discipleship and partnership task. These are equip functions. This is about making you more faithful, more virtuous, more knowledgeable, and more obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. And to help you great, more, more greatly and keenly appreciate that you are part of a larger body, a body that has a function, a body that the Lord wants to do something with. All of this that we do equipping the saints, we do in the discipleship and the partnership functions of our church. Equipping is what leaders are called to do. This is the task of church leaders. This is why Jesus gave the church its leaders. Look at what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I want you to notice here that God's word says that the job of the leaders of the church, the shepherds of the church, is not to do the work of ministry. We need a major course correction in the American church and the Western church. It is not the job of the leaders of the church to do the work of ministry. It is our job to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Why? Just a sheer math. There are 11 elders at this church and something like 800 saints. 800 saints doing the work of ministry. This is what the, the Bible lays out. Our task is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, this is not an excuse for us to be lazy. It's an invitation for us to be part of something amazing. Look at what Paul says as he continues. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Here's what happens when the church functions the way the church is supposed to function. When, when the elders recognize their calling is to equip the saints, and when members recognize that their calling is to do the work of ministry, something incredible happens. The church becomes this unified group of people 
who know Jesus are growing in spiritual maturity and are not easily deceived by false doctrine. That is a solid church, is it not? And isn't that the kind of church that you want to belong to? A church that's not blown around and easily swayed and, and, and easily taken off course and, and, and easily distracted. But listen, in order for that to happen, Paul tells us, the Bible tells us exactly how that's supposed to happen. The leaders of the church equip the saints and the saints do the work of ministry. This is the way it's supposed to be. And when that happens, we can anticipate the result. The result is a unified church that is strong in what it believes and is not easily distracted or taken off course. It's not stale. It's not wishy-washy. It's not cold and it's not dead. In fact, it's a growing church. Paul continues, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I think that the Lord grieves dead and dying churches. I don't think it honors the Lord that a church grows stagnant that it stops building itself up in love. Now, is numerical growth the only thing important? Not at all. But a healthy, equipped church is going to build itself up in love, is going to do it the right way. They're going to be making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Isn't that the kind of church that you want to be part of? So many churches imagine that the way the church is going to grow and stay healthy is bring in a young pastor. Well, if we can just bring in a young pastor, then, then the church will be revitalized. I was that young pastor that came in seven years ago. And guess what? I'm seven years older now. <laughs> I hope and wiser. I hope, well, we've, we've definitely learned a lot. But I, I hope and I intend to be here for another 36, which means that I'm going to be 36 or 43 years older than I was when I was the young pastor that came. So that's not the winning strategy. It can't be the winning strategy. In fact, it, it, it puts too much emphasis on the pastor or the pastors or the ministry directors or the staff to keep a church afloat. And there is nothing that's more frustrating to a pastor than a church that says, we're a dead church and our hope is that you will fix it. But oh, by the way, don't change anything. <laughs> right? Real and raw right now. Pastor, we want you and your little kids. There's an image. You got your wife and your four little kids. And, and that's going to look great on our website. And we're going to be able to, that's going to change everything. 
It's not the pastors that save churches, that, that, that revitalize churches, that, that breathe new life into churches. At least not in our personality or our family. It's in equipping the saints to do the work of ministry that that's even possible. Now, we equip people through various activities called discipleship. Go ahead and bring that vision slide back up. Right here on the equip side, we connect others through, we connect people to others through discipleship and we connect people to the church through partnership. So we're on that side of the slide there. We equip through discipleship activities from sermons to adult Bible fellowships, to connect groups, to triads, to conferences, and retreats, and women's Bible studies, and men's Bible studies. We equip our people to do the work of ministry so that we will be a growing and maturing body of believers. We equip the saints. But we don't just equip the saints to make us smarter. That's not the end result of equipping the saints. But rather, we equip you so that you can move out of the equipping side and into the send side. Notice that we go from equipping people to others through discipleship and to church through partnership to connecting people to purpose through service. We believe that as you are growing in your discipleship, what that looks like is a growing heart to serve other people. And, And you're moving out of the church and into the world with a heart to serve other people. So we don't just equip people to equip them to make them smarter, but we equip people to send them out as faithful disciples of Jesus. We equip the saints to do the work of ministry. That's the primary responsibility of the leaders of the church. And where do we get this? Well, where do we get this idea that it's, that it's our job to send, you know, to equip you in order to send you? Well, beyond the fact that Jesus said go, and it's hard to practically obey Jesus in these pews, it implies leaving this building. And beyond the fact that Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Beyond that, we get this from an implied task or as an implied task from Romans chapter 10. Where Paul asked the question, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who are sent who have been equipped with the gospel, who have been discipled, who recognize they're part of a body, and now in their discipleship are being sent out just like Jesus sent his first disciples into the world. If equip is all about investing in believers, send is all about reaching unbelievers. If you consider our mission priorities right back up here on the vision slide, 
of service and gospel, you'll note that connecting people to their purpose through service and connecting people to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ are send efforts. They're on the send side. We believe that your greatest purpose is in serving other people for the glory of God with a purpose of reaching them with the gospel. We don't just go out to serve people, to serve people, to make their life better, though that's wonderful, but those become vehicles by which we can take the gospel. And we, as ambassadors for Christ, can urge them to be reconciled to God. Every effort that we make to reach lost people, both corporately here, you know, we talked about light the night. That's a corporate effort that we make. We provide resources, we organize it, we encourage it. You guys go out, that's an organized way for us to reach the lost in our community. Vacation Bible experience, do you realize that, that probably 90% or more of the kids that come to VBX don't know Jesus? Many of them come from our church, which means that right now there's send effort going on downstairs because most of the children in our kids' ministries don't know Jesus. They know about Jesus, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. So that's a send effort. We're trying to reach them. It comes from Romans chapter 10. How will they hear unless someone preaches? And how will they preach unless they are sent? So from from organized activities to individualized activities, you and me just living our life to the glory of God. You're in the grocery store and you notice that the man is struggling to pay for his groceries and you step up and just pay it. And you say, God bless you and do you know that the Lord loves you? And you step into a gospel conversation or you notice that your, your neighbor doesn't know Jesus, doesn't go to church, and you invite him or them or her over to your house, and that wasn't like a pronoun thing. <laughs> I mean, the man or the woman or both of them into your home to have a meal so that you can build a relationship with them. All of this is send effort. All of this is sending you out into the world and and me being sent out into the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach them and to save them. You and I have a purpose in life and our purpose is living for the glory of God. Everything else will pale in comparison. Everything else is subordinated to that. Everything else is subjected to that. To the extent that you were a faithful businessman or a faithful teacher or a faithful dentist, to the extent that you desired to use your craft, use your skills to the glory of God and the good of others, praise the Lord. But the fact that you were any of those things matters not. It's how you use what you've been given for the glory of God that matters. And our primary task is bringing glory to God by showing other people the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
how it has changed our lives, how it is our hope in this life, and we're always ready to make a defense. So that's what we mean when we say send. Equip is everything that we do here, discipleship, partnership, it's the fellowship meals that we have, it's the connect groups that we're involved in, it's this belonging, and it's, and it's equipping, I mean, it's discipling, it's training, and then send is everything that we do with all of that. Send is every effort that we make to reach people for Jesus Christ. I would like you to wrestle with this, and I want you to recognize, church, that you are being invested in, not as consumers, but as disciples. You are not a consumer, at least not if you wanna be a faithful follower of Jesus. You're not a consumer, you're a disciple. And you come here to be equipped in order to be sent. I hope that you'll recognize this. I hope that you'll recognize that you're being equipped in order to be sent. You're being discipled in order to make disciples. That you would seek and save the lost just as Jesus did. Jesus said the Son of Man did not, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And now obviously we don't save the lost, but we preach and proclaim the only message that has the power to save the lost, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We send people out with servant hearts, connecting them to purpose that God has for them in service so that they can connect people to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We equip the saints and we send them out to make disciples. That's how we believe that we're going to do what God has called us to do in the Great Commission. And that's how we believe that we're gonna get where we believe God is leading us. Now you might ask yourself, Pastor, I'm not sure, is that really the heart of Christ? I mean, this seems corporate. A mission, a vision, a strategy. This seems kitschy. Are you sure that this is really the heart of Jesus? Well, I've already quoted Jesus. I've already quoted from the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. I've already told you Jesus' mission and his intent and, and the strategy, the how that Jesus intends for all of this to happen. But I want you to hear the heart of Jesus Christ himself. I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 16, excuse me, 14. Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24. And I want you to hear how Jesus describes what this is all about. This whole thing called church. I want you to hear his heart in this parable. Jesus had been to, invited to a dinner banquet. That's the context and someone leans over and says, "Bless is everyone who will eat and uh, who will eat bread in the kingdom of God." I think he's. I think it's one of those awkward statements 
you know, that you just kind of say, you kind of say it to kind of make small talk. And Jesus responds with the parable as he so often does in verse 16. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. A couple things at play there. One, you hear the heart of Jesus knowing that he is rejected by many. But then you hear the heart that says, I want my house filled. I want you to go to the highways and the hedges and I want you to compel people to come in. I want you to go out where the lame and the crippled and the poor are and I want you to be so convincing to them that they come in because I want my house filled. You and I have this blessed task and this incredibly high honor to fill the house. By the power of the Holy Spirit, preaching the word of God, trusting in him. Jesus knew he would be rejected. You're going to be rejected. Deal with it. Go out and compel people to come in so that at the great banquet, his house may be full. Revelation 19.9, Jesus said, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed. You have been invited. And because you have responded to that invitation, church, you are now the servant who has been sent out to invite. Get on task. Get on mission. Do what you were created and called to do. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that, that Jesus came to die for sinners like us. 
and to make us new and to make us righteous. And Lord, to send us out with a message that sinners can be made righteous. And we know because it's, we've experienced that. Holy Spirit, I pray that like that first church was, was filled by the Holy Spirit, was emboldened by the Holy Spirit, was fired up by the Holy Spirit, that you would also fire us up. That you would light a fire among us. That we would be bold in proclaiming the word of God for your glory and for the growth of your kingdom to all nations. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching online. I hope that this message has inspired you to greater faith, has encouraged you, maybe convicted or challenged you. We're grateful to be able to provide this content to you online, live and on demand. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube so that we can get this content right to you as soon as we upload it. But you know, we believe that as a follower of Jesus Christ, that you need the body of Christ. You need the local church. And so if you're in the Quad Cities, let me invite you to personally join us in person for our gatherings on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 1040. If you're not in the Quad Cities, I wanna encourage you to go find a local church that teaches the Bible, that serves the community, that loves Jesus, that gives grace. Well, hey, thanks again for watching, and we hope that you were blessed.